The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Whether you're listening from far away or next to beautiful Seneca Lake, we hope that through the reading and proclaiming of Scripture, you hear God's wisdom, challenge, and blessing for you today. If you're able to worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9.30, we at Hector Presbyterian Church would love to share Christ's peace with you. As we prepare to hear the scriptures, let us pray. God, let my heart be good soil, open to the seed of your word. When my heart is hard, roll the stone away. When my heart is cold, warm it with the day. When my heart is lost, lead me in your way. God, let my heart be good soil, through Jesus Christ. Amen. A reading from the prophet Isaiah. Listen for God's word to you. In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Eternal One sitting on a high and exalted throne. The edges of God's robe filled the temple. Winged creatures were stationed around the Eternal One. Each had six wings. With two they veiled their faces, with two their feet, and with two they flew about. They shouted to each other, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Eternal One of the heavenly forces. All the earth is filled with God's glory. The doorframe shook at the sound of their shouting, and the house was filled with smoke. I said, Mourn for me, I'm ruined. I'm a man with unclean lips, and I live among a people with unclean lips. Yet I've seen the King, the Eternal One of heavenly forces. Then one of the winged creatures flew to me, holding a glowing coal it had taken from the altar with tongs. It touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt has departed, and your sin is removed. Then I heard the Eternal One's voice saying, Whom should I send, and who will go for us? I said, I'm here. Send me. God said, Go and say to this people, Listen intently, but don't understand. Look carefully, but don't comprehend. Make the minds of this people dull. Make their ears deaf and their eyes blind, so they can't see with their eyes or hear with their ears or understand with their minds, and turn and be healed. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading comes to us from the Gospel of Matthew. Everyone who has ears should pay attention. Jesus went out of the house and sat down beside the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he climbed into a boat and sat down. The whole crowd was standing on the shore. He said many things to them in parables. Jesus' disciples came and said to him, Why do you use parables 
when you speak to the crowds? Jesus replied, Because they haven't received the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but you have. For those who have will receive more, and they will have more than enough. But as for those who don't have, even the little they have will be taken away from them. This is why I speak to the crowds in parables. Although they see, they don't really see. And although they hear, they don't really hear or understand. What Isaiah prophesied has become completely true for them. You will hear, to be sure, but never understand, and you will certainly see, but never recognize what you are seeing. For this people's senses have become calloused, and they've become hard of hearing, and they've shut their eyes so that they won't see with their eyes, or hear with their ears, or understand with their minds, and change their hearts and lives that I may heal them. Happy are your eyes, because they see. Happy are your ears, because they hear. I assure you that many prophets and righteous people wanted to see what you see and hear what you hear, but they did not. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We have a game in my house called Can Ben Find It? Here's how you play. First, take an everyday item, say a jar of mustard, and put that item in close proximity to me. Bonus points if you place it right in front of me. Distract me for 30 seconds, then see if I can find the item you just put down. I usually end up needing to phone a friend. That is, standing in front of the open refrigerator and saying to my spouse, Huh, I thought we had mustard without even looking up from what he's doing, he'll say, it's in the right-hand door, middle shelf. And voila! As if by magic, there in the right-hand door of the refrigerator, middle shelf, is the camouflaged condiment. Knowing this, you might understand why I am not certain Jesus is speaking to me when he says, happy are your eyes, because they see. I feel more at home in the crowd, gathered on the lake shore, standing on the beach, and straining to hear what Jesus has to say about the kingdom of heaven. Although they see, they don't really see. Although they hear, they don't really hear. 
Isaiah's confounding charge from the Eternal One has come true in them and in me and in us. In first century Judea, as well as in 21st century New York, people tend to see only what they expect to see. My friend Francesca knows this all too well. Francesca works at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, and she has a front row seat to the ways that COVID-19 has spread through people rationalizing risky behaviors, like not wearing a face covering in public. It was Fran who told me how helpful M. Scott Peck's concept of mental maps is for the living of these days. Our view of reality, writes Peck, is like a map with which to negotiate the terrain of life. If the map is true and accurate, we will generally know where we are. And if we have decided where we want to go, we will generally know how to get there. If the map is false or inaccurate, we generally will be lost. The problem with an inaccurate map, Peck points out, is that the changing landscape outpaces it. If an out-of-state visitor is driving from Hector to Geneva, you wouldn't give them a map from the 1930s before Route 414 was established. Likewise, we get lost internally when we don't update our mental maps. Isaiah's vision of the heavenly throne illuminates how tricky revising our maps can be. When the prophet was preaching in Jerusalem, King Ahaz was afraid. The kingdoms to the north were plotting a rebellion against the big, bad Assyrian Empire. And what is more, if Ahaz did not join them, they would attack his kingdom. Don't be afraid, Isaiah said, and don't call on Assyria for backup. God will take care of you. But Ahaz didn't listen. Nobody would listen to Isaiah. Their mental maps of fear, power, and survival were set in place. So God gave the prophet an anti-prophecy. Listen intently, but don't understand. Look carefully, but don't comprehend. And just like that, God startles us listeners, making us look up from our maps did God really say that? God 
doesn't want us to understand? And without intending to listen to the word of the Lord, we let our questions draw us into the holy mystery where our maps are redrawn, where we are indeed healed. Isaiah's anti-prophecy is among the most quoted passages in the New Testament. It's cited in each gospel, there are four of them, and in the book of Acts. However, in Acts and in the Gospel of John, Isaiah doesn't disrupt mental maps. He reinforces them. In both books, Isaiah's words are twisted into an explanation as to why some Jewish people don't believe Jesus is the Messiah. Hearing Paul attack his community with these words and claim that salvation will be offered instead to the other nations, to Gentiles, makes my heart heavy. Early Christians used Isaiah to raise a barrier between us and them, those who get it and those who never will. I imagine Jesus' heart is heavy too, weighted with compassion for us all. That is why he taught the crowds in parables. Because they haven't received the secrets of the kingdom of God, because so much has been taken away from them, and because Isaiah's words have become true in their lives, that is why Jesus spoke to the crowd in parables. Parable. It literally means thrown alongside, a, a comparing of one thing to another. It's an ancient way of telling stories. Some cultures call them fables. Others, Proverbs. In Hebrew, a parable is a mashal. Because people with hungry hearts and famished bodies sought out Jesus for wisdom, he kept it simple. He told parables. Because most of his listeners were tenant farmers, he told them a story that started, a farmer went out to scatter seed. Because most villages had a communal bread oven, Jesus told a story that started, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast. To the crowds on the shoreline, and to the people in the countryside, Jesus told stories whose characters were ordinary people doing ordinary things. Jesus met them where they were. Jesus still meets us wherever we are, showing us the kingdom of heaven come near in our everyday lives. For Anna Carter Florence, those, those moments of noticing, of sudden awareness, are like living in a parallel universe. 
or as she puts it, living in a parable universe. One minute you're humming along, she says, everything's normal. And then without warning, bam, you just collide with some flash of insight, and you know for sure that the kingdom of God has come near. And you just saw a piece of it. You don't know why. You don't know how. You're just glad that you happened to be paying attention in the moment it broke. Several years ago, when her friend was navigating a cancer diagnosis, Dr. Florence found herself transplanted into a parable universe. Here are just a few of the many moments when Jesus surprised her with the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is like a group of nurses and orderlies who sing spirituals to the woman who is being transported back to her room in the middle of the night after brain surgery, and then who stay by her bed until she falls asleep. The kingdom of heaven is like meeting a sassy young saleswoman at the wig shop who tenderly guides your friend to a private corner, opens up the boxes, and helps her pick out her first wig for when her hair begins to fall out. And suddenly, you see that this young saleswoman has a ministry to transform that shop into a holy ground of hope. The kingdom of heaven is like a husband who organizes a quiet little ceremony three weeks after the surgery so they can make a ritual of the moment when he puts the ring back on her finger after it was taken off in the hospital, the only time it has left her finger in thirty years. And so the friends gather, and a group of clergy stand around, and the couple sits down on the couch and takes hands and looks into one another's eyes, saying, I take you, yet again, to be my spouse and I promise to love you and support you no matter what comes to you until death do us part. And they smile, and the friends cry, and the dog barks, and they all go to the kitchen for a simple feast of soup and bread and wine, because it is true, the kingdom of heaven has come near, and people who sat in the darkness of a diagnosis have seen a great light. Jesus takes our hand and guides us into a parable universe where heaven and earth collide. We can't explain it. We can only glimpse it and let it shape our lives. We can let the kingdom of heaven redraw our maps 
so that when we walk among farmers and bakers and all the people and tasks and fragments of everyday life, we will notice God's presence. Then we'll pause in our steps and turn and be healed. For such a gift of grace, let us give all glory and gratitude to God, speaker, word, breath, author of our faith. Amen.